Thank you for joining us at Bethel at Home. So glad to have you here. My name is Pastor Ray. And I'm Christy. We wanna run through the schedule to kinda of let you know what's coming this morning. First, we're gonna to worship together. And that may look like standing up in your living room and singing together as a family. Next, Pastor Logan's gonna come and do a kids connection. And so make sure your kids are ready to be engaged right up here up front. Then this week, we're gonna add a mission minute. Uh, we support missionaries around the world and we have two missionaries we wanna to highlight today. We love missionaries here at Bethel and we're really excited to share two of our partners with you today. Christy's then gonna come up and do a welcome and then we're gonna jump into the message. This week, we're in Judges chapter seven and we're gonna continue our series on dangerous. It's actually titled Dangerous Movement. So make sure you have your Bible ready or you have your phone with your YouVersion app and you can follow us on the live event. Then we're gonna do another worship song together and then we're gonna come back up and we're gonna wrap up the service together. All right, so let's get started. Let's worship together.
Hey, Bethel family, welcome to our Bethel Kids Spotlight. Last week, we asked you guys to recreate our Bible story, which was about Elijah and the ravens. And you guys did an amazing job of coming up with different stuff. Uh, One in particular, a Bethel kid from Bethel, Orlando, did this video, and I want to share it with you really quick. God sent Elijah to a brook because there's a famine where he lived. Ravens came every day and dropped off food for Elijah. Elijah ate at the brook and drank at the brook. And he slept there. When the plants dried up, and when the water dried up, Elijah went away. And that's the story of Elijah and the ravens. Cassie, you did an awesome job on that video, and really, you guys all did an amazing job, whether you drew pictures or made Lego sets, or some of you guys actually made bread. Uh, You guys did an amazing job, which is why I'm so excited for you guys to do our next activity. This week, we are starting a new series. It's called Best Day Ever. It is a series about the best day ever, and that is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Our need to know for this week is God's promise is the best. And our Bible story will answer the question, why is Jesus called the Lamb of God? So we're going to ask you guys to do is to go into your house and to find something that reminds you of a lamb. So that could be something really white, or maybe it's something really uh, fluffy and cuddly and kind of soft, or maybe it's something just really sweet and innocent. Maybe you got like a cool little puppy that reminds you of just an innocent lamb. Whatever it is that reminds you of a lamb, we want you to find that, take a picture or a video, and post that to our Bethel Kids page. I cannot wait to see what you guys post. 
Have a great week. Good morning, everyone. I'm Casey Krager. I'm part of the missions team here at Bethel Community Church. We have an amazing opportunity to be able to partner with missions across the world. For the month of April, we would like to highlight um, two missions. The first one being the McClure's. They're located in Brazil. A lot of the work they do are, is focused around uh, translation and bridging the language uh, barrier there, um, along with leadership development within the local churches. Uh, the second mission is the Rhodes. They're located in London, um, where churches are closing at a rapid pace. They have an opportunity to be able to plant a church there um, and looking for it to grow um, throughout the future. Um, both of these missions and our other missions, uh, it's an opportunity to partner with them, to be able to pray for them as they help individuals love and lead uh, to bring them to Christ. Welcome to Bethel at Home. I'm so glad that you guys are all here with us. Hey, I'd love to see a little bit of interaction between you guys, especially if you're joining us on Facebook. So if you became a homeschool family for the first time this week, give me a heart or a like. I know a lot of us were surprised by this, and now all of a sudden we're trying to homeschool our children with zero experience, zero planning, and we're gonna figure it out and it's gonna be okay. I know there's a lot of you homeschool moms out there that are sitting back and laughing at us, but be patient with us, we'll figure it out. Um, so we're three days in, and I already texted our elementary principal, and I asked her, who do I contact when I need a substitute? She hasn't gotten back with me yet. But when she does, I'll get you the details, okay? Connection is something that we're all wanting right now. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about our connection card. If you're joining us on Facebook, you can find the link below. But if you're joining us on YouTube or podcast or another venue, you can go to mybethel.cc connect. And on this connection card, you can give us information that anything you wanna give to us that, that we need. If you're new with us, we'd love to have your name and your phone number and just a way to reach out to you and see how we can better serve you. If you have a prayer request, if you have a need right now, if you have a question, just fill out that connection card and we will get back to you. And if you're in Orlando, if you're in Oklahoma, wherever you are in the world, we'll get back with you and see how we can meet your need. So we'd love to connect with you. If you haven't joined us in a connection group, um, let us know on that connection card because we'd love to get you plugged into that too. A lot of us were doing new things this week and joining over Zoom calls and conference calls. And it was a great way to just stay connected during this time of isolation. We are in the middle of a series called Dangerous. Last week, we talked about how to be a dangerous church. And now today, we're gonna look at when we become that dangerous church, we can become a dangerous movement. So now let's discover how to do that together. I want to thank everyone that has partnered with Bethel during this time. Um, if you haven't jumped in on online giving um, and reoccurring giving, I encourage you to do that to, to help Bethel continue with the mission to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. For those of you that have partnered with us uh, during these last few weeks, um, as things are getting challenging, I, I really appreciate it. 
And I want uh, God to bless you and, and our Bethel family coming together, everyone partnering together is gonna make all the difference in the world. And so if you go to our website, there's easy uh, information on how you can partner with us, not only here, but also around the world. As we dig into this, um, this message today, we're gonna be in Judges chapter seven. Uh, we're going to be looking at just a few verses in Judges chapter 7. So if you have your smartphone, you can go to the live event and you can follow along there and uh, you can share that event. You can take notes and then you can interact with us that way. Um, it is so cool that God has given us this opportunity to connect online, um, even if we can't be together in person. I'd like to pray and then we'll jump right in this morning. God, thank you so much for what you're doing uh, in our lives, what you're doing around the world. God, we thank you for your protection. We thank you for your peace that even in a moment of crisis, we don't have to panic because we know you're in control. God, as we dig into the life of, of Gideon today, I pray that you would um, just enlighten us, illuminate us, and use your word to empower us to stand up and make a difference to the world around us, that you would actually uh, use the church to be a dangerous movement. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Back in 1997, I met this girl, and this girl was the most beautiful girl I had ever laid my eyes on. And then when I interacted with her, she was awesome to get to know. And I told myself, I said, I'm going to get as close as I can to this girl as possible. And yet, as much as I tried, she pushed me away. And it took one incident for her to draw close to me. We were on our way to church. My car had uh, broken down. And so I was, she was giving me a ride to church. And on the way to church, we were turning a corner on this one street and uh, she turned the corner and she hit the car in front of her. And that moment in distress, it drew us together because we had um, been in a crisis together. We had been in this moment of stress together. And because of that moment of stress, she drew close to me. And it was like an answer to my prayers. And then I said, oh man, what can I do next to get this girl to draw close to me? And so I took her on a helicopter ride. And guess what that helicopter ride did flying over Branson? It had her draw even closer to me. And so I think a lot of times we in distress, draw close to those that we are around, draw close to those that we love, draw close to those that are important to us. And uh, so I think it, in 1997, when I did this with Christy, now my wife, drawing her close in stress or in distress was a powerful thing. You know, I think today in our world, what God is doing is God is shaking things up enough in order to draw us close to him. He is shaking up our, our security. He is taking away um, a lot of the things that we have just taken for granted in our society in order for us to draw close to him. And so in this moment of panic, in this moment of crisis, would you take this opportunity and draw close to the Father? God does the same thing with us and he will draw us close if we'll listen to him. We need to listen to his voice and let's run to the Father because he is the one with the answers. It seems as though we're living in dangerous times. It seems as though we're living in times that are just so uncertain and so unprecedented as people have said before. And perfectly along the lines with this time that we're living in, we're walking through the life of Gideon and the life of a, a dangerous life that God has called us to live a fearless life. So if you're watching today and you're a follower of Jesus, God is calling you to be fearless. God is calling you to be dangerous. God is calling you to be physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally dangerous. If you're watching and you are not a follower of Jesus, this is the time for you to draw close to the Father, to call, draw close to God. And God may be using this time in specific, specifically for your life to draw you into a relationship with him. 
And what I would pray and then what I'd ask you is that during this time that we have together, that you would open up your heart, open up your life and give your life to God, give your life to the Father. We've been praying for you. We've been praying that God would draw people to himself. Uh, God has called us all to live a dangerous life. Not that life is dangerous, even though it feels that way right now, but he's actually filled us with his spirit and he is giving us the opportunity. He's giving us the chance to actually be dangerous, to make a difference to the world around us, to push back darkness, to bring in the light of Jesus. And so this is the opportunity we have. We've been walking through the last few weeks, the life of Gideon. I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast, uh, listen to the message and to get caught up. But today, whether you've listened to or watched any of it all, we're gonna be able to jump in and you'll be able to get something from today's message about how we can live a dangerous life that turns into a dangerous church, that turns into a dangerous movement for the enemy. Uh, God has equipped us to be dangerous. And our response to that information, our response to the fact that God has called us to be dangerous will make a difference, will determine the outcome, will determine our effectiveness. So we're gonna talk about being a dangerous movement. Throughout history, God has used people, God has used the church, God has used individuals like you to rise up and make a difference. There's always been a few good people that will stand up in the gap. There's always been a few good people that are called into community to defeat the enemy. In the story of Gideon, we see in chapter six and then into chapter seven, an experience in the culture a lot like what we're experiencing today. There was uncertainty. There was an enemy that had come in. They couldn't see them, but they were marauders. There, were, there was an enemy that came in that took over their land. And, and much of our experience today is this unknown enemy and it's affecting us. It's affecting our economy. It's affecting our relationships. It's affecting our church. It's affecting the way we do business. It's affecting the way we get food. And so this enemy came into the life of Gideon and the nation of Israel. And much like today, we're experiencing the same thing. God allowed these foreign invaders in the book of Judges to come in in order to draw them back close to him. Now today we may look at this and we may say, man, God is using this to draw many people close to him. And my question for the church is, are we ready to minister to the people that are looking for answers? Are we ready to minister to people that are looking for a difference, for looking for hope? Today we're gonna focus on these 300 men who followed Gideon right into battle. A man that God used in the book of Judges was Gideon, and God used Gideon to rise up, and then God used the men around him to rise up and make a difference. They were the men that God chose, and these men made a huge difference in this time in history. Now, what I've told my community group, and I'll tell you, is that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever, and for God, a thousand years is just like a day and a day is like a thousand years. And so we can put in our minds and imagine in our minds that this happened in God's mind yesterday. And just like God was with Gideon yesterday and with these 300 men, he's with us today as well. It's just like yesterday. And we can fulfill and follow his promises. We can trust his promises just because this is who God is. He's trustworthy. So the life of Gideon, we found him originally in a wine press, in the bottom of a wine press, trying to get food for his family. We found him kind of nervous and kind of scared and trying to figure out how he was gonna survive. And then the angel of the Lord, God himself showed up to Gideon and said, hey, mighty man of valor, a hero. And he goes, who me? And he called him into this mission that he was going to defeat the enemy, the Midianites who had gathered 135,000 soldiers had gathered against the nation of Israel. 
And he's, God said, hey, Gideon, you're going to be the one that I'm going to use to defeat the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Let's pick up the story here in verse, uh, cha- verse 1 of chapter 7. We ended here last week, and so we're going to pick this up right now. Verse 1 of chapter 7, it says, So Jerubal, which is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. Now, they're fighting 135,000 soldiers. He called, he blew the ram's horn. These men came, 22,000 men. Now, if you do the math, 22,000 men against 135,000 soldiers, it doesn't really work out for the nation of Israel. But God said, you have too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they have saved themselves by their own strength. So we need to understand, and this is the first principle we see right out the gate, is that a dangerous church and a dangerous movement understands that God is the only one who can save. God is the only one who can bring victory. God is the only one who can bring peace in our hearts and our minds and in our nation. God is the only one. They were outnumbered by the Midianites and they had taken all their food, they had taken all their supplies, they had taken all their livelihood. And in spite of all this, God was the only one that could save them. In our current situation, this week, we've seen our economy shut down. We've seen friends and family lose their jobs. We've seen fear abounding. We've seen government scrambling around the world. We've seen death and loss and chaos. And opinions about the whole thing are flying everywhere. There's just as many opinions as there are people. But you know what, in the end, God is the only one who can save. He's the only one who can make a difference. If we think we're gonna come up with a strategy that's gonna work, we need to realize as believers, as people that follow Jesus, that God is the only one who can save. No matter what plan we come up with, God is the provider, he's the savior, he's the sovereign protector, he's the healer, he's the overcomer. Let's keep going there in verse three. Therefore, this is God answering back to Gideon. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So there was 32,000 men total, and just by asking them who was unwilling to fight, who was afraid to turn around and go home. Here's something we need to learn as a dangerous movement. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in fear. Two things about fear that I'm sure all of us over the last few weeks have Googled or talked to someone about is that there's two aspects to fear. First, we're surrounded by people who are fearful. And my question for this is, are the people that you're surrounding yourself with, do do they have your back? Do these people really, will they stand up and fight with you? Will they stand up and defend you? No one wants someone behind them that's gonna run away at the first sign of turmoil, the first time of stress, the first time of chaos, that's just gonna run and hide. We need someone that's not fearful to stand with us. Because in a battle, in a battle for the souls of men and women, we need people that are not afraid, that, are, that have no fear, that are gonna stand and have our back. No one wants someone with them in the battle to turn and run. The second thing is that even when fear creeps up, all of us, if we're honest, are gonna deal with a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear. There's some great news. Um, I'm looking in this passage and, and God over and over again told Gideon, I will be with you, I will be with you, I will be with you. We do have a father that we can run to. 
Um, at night, Max sometimes comes in my room. This last week we had some storms and uh, Max knows that as soon as there's lightning or there's loud thunder, he can just come to my room and I'll talk him through it. And so this last week we had some pretty good storms and Max came in the room and he came all covered up in his blanket and he was all bundled up in his snuggle. And he said, hey dad, um, I can't sleep. So I walked with him back to his room and I walked him through this. I said, hey Max, guess what? We've got a house that's gonna protect you. These walls, they're gonna protect you. But guess what, you have a dad that's gonna protect you as well. And guess what, even better, you have a God that's gonna protect you. And so church, listen, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your anxiety level is, no matter what fear you're in, you have a big dad and your big dad's gonna protect you. Your big dad has promises. And even if you lose your life, your big father, your big dad is gonna take you home to be with him. We have a big God. Our God has the nations in his hands. This is not surprising to him. This has not caught him off guard. And you have a big family. Everyone that calls Bethel Community Church home, we love you. We, we actually miss being around you. This is a terrible time to be disconnected. We long to be together and we can't wait for the day that we can come back together as a Bethel family. But I want you to know you have a big dad, you have a big God, and you have a big family. We have your back. We're not gonna run when things get tough. We're not gonna run when the enemy is invisible. We're gonna stand together. Let's keep our eyes on what's eternal. Because I think what God wants to do right now is God is tying this physical thing that we're experiencing to the eternal realities of our trust. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to turn and run. Let's realize that God is doing something in our world that is gonna draw people to himself. We don't have to be afraid. These men, these 22,000 men, stood up and went home, leaving 10,000 men. Now look at the odds, 135,000, 10,000 left. Verse four, but the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. This phrase, I will test them, is a phrase that we see in scripture many times, this testing uh, phrase. And God many times throws things in our path to test us. Our circumstances are used by God to test what we're made of. God uses the interactions that we have with people. God uses the interactions at work and the interactions in our community to test us. Everything that we encounter is a test. And if we don't learn to pass the test, it'll come up over and over and over again. Uh, maybe there's someone that's in your life that's uh, kind of hard to get along with. You need to learn to get along with them because this is gonna come up over and over and over again until you get it right. In this moment, we have tests. My kids are in school, we're homeschooling. There's tests, even in homeschooling. So why are there tests in school? Some people think it's stupid, but why are there tests? Well, it's to see what we've learned. Unless, and if we don't study for them, we're not ready for them. We're, test, we're being tested right now, and we might actually fail this one, but it's gonna prepare us for the next one. So anytime that we're going through a test, God is using this to equip us and to prepare us for the next one. So what are you going through right now that might be a test from God in your circumstances. Why don't you figure it out and let's pass the test and get better at it. Verse five, when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put those, all those who kneel down and drink from their, with their mouths in the stream. So only 300 men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. 
Now, I've heard lots of discussion about how God made this decision of, you know, 300, they took up the water up to their mouth because they were ready. And then the other ones that got on their bellies and drank in the stream, uh, they weren't prepared to fight the battle. And you could go through discussions and maybe some opinions about why God chose the 300 over the 9,700 that were left. But the bottom line is, is God is the one that chooses who he will use. God's the one that chooses who will stand ready in the battle. He chooses the ones that will pass the test and the, th the circumstances that he brings their way. And then he just, in the end, chooses who he wants to use. He always uses people to make a difference in this world. The greatest thing is that our church is full of people that have experienced the love of God, have experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ in their lives, have, have the empowering and the indwelling of the Spirit of God, and us banding together, God will use us because he's promised to put the words in our mouth to encourage those around us. Don't you think that if you were God, you would have made this test maybe a little easier so more people could be in the battle? And yet God chose who he was gonna choose because he knew who he was gonna win the battle with so that he would get all the glory. Verse seven, says the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. God rescues and God gives the victory. Just like we said in the beginning, God is the only one who can save. And in the end, he said, I will use these 300 men to not only defeat the enemy, but also, also to rescue you and give you the victory. For a dangerous movement to succeed, there are a few things that we need to figure out as a church. First, we need to identify the fears that are invading our hearts and are freezing us in the battle. And so we need to look at our own lives and examine deep in our souls and say, why am I afraid? What is the fear that's gripping me right now? A few weeks ago, I would have said the greatest fear of believers, of followers of Jesus, was simply opening their mouths to share their faith. But I think we're in a different place right now that right now, I think the biggest fear that's gripping most of our hearts is, man, how am I going to live and how am I going to uh, survive the, my health and my grandparents and my parents and those that are up in age or, or possibly our security and our finances and and it's really just happened really quickly over the last few weeks. To be clear, we need to depend on God's sovereignty. He is in total control of this entire situation. But yet fear is real and we need to acknowledge it. But we should not let it freeze us in the battle. We should not let it paralyze us. We can't think straight when we're paralyzed. We can't act correctly when we're paralyzed. We can't do what God asks us to do when we're paralyzed with fear. God wants to work through you right now so you can confront and face the fears that are gripping your heart. We can identify them and then we can turn them over to God. The second thing we need to look at as a, as a dangerous movement is we need to identify the circumstances that we're facing right now and see how God is testing our response. Because every test that God is putting our way is to prepare us for a future mission that he has laid out for us. Ephesians 2.10 says that we're God's masterpiece. He has created us to do good works that he's laid out ahead of us. And so we need to understand the circumstances we're in. What is God using around us to test us, to test our resolve, to test how we're gonna follow through? Once we identify that, we wanna see how we're gonna respond to those things and let's respond better and better. The third thing is that God has chosen the church for such a time as this. It is no accident that our church is here in this community right now. It is no accident that Bethel Community Orlando is in this community right now because our church was created for this moment. Our church was created to stand up and offer hope and peace and love and encouragement and service. This is the moment that we've been created for. 
We cannot make a difference without God. All of us need to get on our knees and we need to pray and beg God to intervene, to beg God to give us supernatural wisdom, to give for God to give us the victory over this. He is the wind in our sail. He's actually the umbrella over our head. He's the ground beneath our, beneath our feet. He's the nourishment to our bodies. Just as in the days of Gideon, God is the only one who can save us. God is the only one who can transform our church into a dangerous movement that will change the world. He uses our circumstances to test us. He wants us to use us for his mission. He is the rescuer of your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbor. Bethel, God is calling us to control our fear, to turn our fear over to him and to submit to him and to submit to the test. He's gonna use us to bless our community. He's gonna use us for this time because he has chosen us for a time as this. My question is Bethel Community Church, and I've asked this before is, is our church a place that God can trust? Is our church a place that God is going to bring people to so that we can lead them to love and find and follow Jesus? Is our church that one? Now's the moment for us to stand up because he is gonna give us the victory. He's the way maker, he's the promise keeper, we can trust in him. Thank you. 
Can I pray for you? 
God, we once again come before you and we want to tell you that um, even when we fail, even when we don't make the right choices, even when we're tested and failed, we see in Jesus that we have a second chance and we have a third chance, we have a fourth chance. My prayer, God, this morning is that as a church, we would stand up, we would give our fears to you, that we would understand our circumstances and realize that you're in control, and God, that you would use us to push back the darkness, use us as a church to encourage those around us to put their hope and trust and faith in you. God, we know you can do that and you can transform our church into a dangerous movement. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, what I thought about when you were talking um, and listening to that song is we're doing a, um, a Bible plan with some of our family right now and it's called How to Get Through What You're Going Through. I recommend it, we can put a link in the comments and one of the days reminded us of this quote that I've heard before, but I was reminded and it's, um, don't forget in the dark what God told you or taught you in the light. And That's so good. the idea is when you're going through a hard time, don't forget all the things that God has taught you, all the things he's brought you through in the past. Um, thinking about the song we just sang, he is the one who makes the way. He's the one who gives us peace. He, um, he loves us, he's there for us, he won't leave us alone. Don't forget who he is during this dark time. Remember just his promises and who he has said he is and what we, what we say we believe all the time, this is when we put it into action. And we're like, yes, I believe and I'm gonna lean on that in the dark times. Yeah, and I think in a moment we've all kind of like panicked for a second, like yeah. the uncertainty. But now's the time to say, okay, God, you're in control. Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the trust. Let's get through what we're going through. I remember you told right. us a few weeks ago, Psalm 23, through the valley of the shadow of death. There's an entrance you know, and an exit. There's an entrance and exit. We're going to get through it. And right. so let's get through it together. Mm -hmm. there, there's one way that you can partner with us. There's several ways, but there's one really powerful way that you can partner with Bethel Community Church to share hope. Um, every single week we are putting out content. We're putting out videos and graphics and encouragement and words of prayer. And what you can do is you can like those, you can share those, you can comment on those. Yeah. When you share them, write something along with your share so people know you're not just sharing a page, you're actually sharing something that you're a part of because a dangerous movement, movement is not just letting other people do all the work. A dangerous movement is everybody locking arms, doing our part and doing the work together. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about Gideon and how this battle came to be and how relationships worked in order for everyone to do what they were supposed to do. And I think what we're doing is we're calling you as a church, as a church family, uh, Bethel Community Church here in Yukon and there in Orlando, is to get on board. Let's partner together. And right now, with our social distancing, all we can do is like, share, comment yeah. what God is doing through social media. So let's take advantage of that. And you started something new this week. The, yeah. the, why don't you share that? Yeah, there's right. a, a prayer. Prayer is so important. I think what God does in times like this is that he calls us to himself. He draws us to himself. Remember that distress? This is the girl that I drew to myself. You know, um, you back sound like years a ago. creeper every time you share the stories about it. It was baby. super creepy. I mean, like if anybody <laughs> did that to my little girl, I'd be like, no way, man. But anyway, distress calls us to prayer. And so we've created a Facebook group called Pray 835. So every day at 835 a.m. and 835 p.m., 
we come together wherever we are and we pray. We set our alarms. When our alarm goes off, we pray. And so if you'd like to join that group, go ahead and search Pray 835, and we'll pray together every day in the morning at 835 and every night at 8.35. it's based off Romans 8.35, which is one of the very first verses you talked about in this dangerous series. Yes, which is what can separate us from Christ's love? Nothing. And it goes on to list everything that's not going to separate us. And one of the things is sickness and disease. And so that's not going to separate us from Christ's love. Nothing can separate us from his love. So would you partner with us? This is an awesome opportunity in today's age where you actually have a mouthpiece, you have a platform, and you can partner with Jesus to be the hands and feet right here where we are. And Bethel, that's why we exist. That's what you say every week. We exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. So let's do this together. Love you guys. Have a great week.